listening to Wake Up and Read the Labels, your guide to eating simple and feeling good. If you want to eat clean and feel your best, guess what? You're in the right place. Each week, we talk about ingredients that may be holding you back from feeling your best. We also talk to some brands that are going against the grain and actually using real ingredients we can recognize. Plus, we're sharing stories with people who are just like you, who actually woke up and read the labels. Welcome to Wake Up and Read the Labels podcast, you guys. Today, we're going to be diving into where you should be buying your chicken, what makes a chicken clean versus not clean, and how to read the labels on meat packages. So I'm excited to welcome Tyler Dolly. He's the founder and owner of Big Bluff Branch in Red Bluff, California. His family roots go back six decades to the farm, and now Tyler's running it with his wife and kids, which I love. I think it needs to be the whole family. So Big Bluff Ranch in emphasizes the importance of taking care of the land and letting the food speak for itself. Welcome, Tyler. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Awesome. You know, I have some chicken in my refrigerator right now. I made the big whole chicken yesterday and I made it in my Brava, Mm. which is really awesome. I don't know if you know what a Brava is, but it looks like an easy bake oven and it cooks with light. And I just stuck the whole chicken in there. Um, You put a meat thermometer in the chicken, came out to perfection. And we had some pesto chicken pizza last night. And tonight we're having chicken salad as the leftovers. So tell me this. This seems like a family affair for you. What drew you back to the farm and made you want to do this for life? You know, I actually couldn't really tell you. So my grandfather bought the ranch in 1960. My parents moved up here permanently in the late 70s. I grew up here on the ranch. High school was in the uh, mid-2000s. And up through high school, you know, I lived here. I helped my dad, but I didn't feel like I was going to turn out to be a cowboy or anything (laughs) agricultural. I was a huge bookworm and (laughs) really funny to look back at it now, but I wanted to be a computer engineer, not like coder, but like the guy actually designing the circuit boards, which is just, I would not be a happy camper had I gone down that actual career path. But when I got to college, we had a lot of breaks and the very first fall break we had, you know, the Brand new friends I made at college are like, we're going off to the beach or we're going to the mountains or we're, I was in LA, so we're going off to, you know, Tijuana to do dumb stuff. And I'm like, okay, I'm going home. I didn't know why, but there was really no, no other answer for me. It was like, it's time for me to go home. I've been gone for the ranch for two months. This is the longest I've ever been away and it's time for me to go back. And so that's, basically repeated all the way through college that the longer I was away from the ranch, the more I needed to come back. And so by the time my senior year came around, part of my college's graduation requirements was to write a senior thesis, uh, which was, you know, I can't remember now, is there a 20 page or a 40 page paper, which was a lot, but it wasn't too much for me because I, I scammed away into being able to write about the ranch. So I was like, oh, I'm just writing about the history of the ranch. This is easy. And then graduated college in May and on a Friday, probably. And I was at a farmer's market with our grass-fed beef on a Sunday and never left. Just somehow this place is, I don't know, this place is for me. This is where my soul resides or something woo-woo like that. You guys only do chicken there? 
Well, chicken is by far the biggest thing we do, the largest of our enterprises. But, oh, we still do beef, some limited amounts of grass-fed beef. And over the years, we've done everything. We've done goats. We've done lamb. We've done pasture pork. We've done turkeys. We've done ducks. But what really stuck was pasture poultry. That was kind of the the animal that fit all of the requirements. And so that's kind of what we just doubled down on and got really good at. For sure. And Americans are eating. I mean, if you go anywhere, any menu, any grocery store, you're going to find chicken. There's so much chicken. I personally think we have too much chicken and it's because the quality has gone down so much and they're pumping out so much chicken to meet the demand of what people are expecting. So I know that we talk about reading the labels here. And so if someone is going to the grocery store or they're even looking at a restaurant menu, they might read, you know, all natural chicken or organic or free range pasturees. Let's dive into what these different labels mean. Do you mind kind of taking the reins on that? What's the differences and what people should be looking for? Right. So first off, I would totally agree that chicken has become cheap. People just expect chicken to be cheap. And that's actually not biologically or ecologically actually the case. It's only cheap because of various Uh economic subsidies through the farm bill and all that sort of stuff. So just kind of right off the bat, you know, chicken should cost more. And so when you go to the grocery store and you see these better chickens, as I call them, they actually do cost more and they should cost more. That's not just marketing BS. So what they're called is they're called claims. So if I am a meat producer, which I am, and I want to put something on my label, that would be considered a claim. And if it is a claim, it needs to go off to the USDA and they approve it. Some of them are self-certified through affidavits and many of them are set up standards by the USDA themselves and they say whether or not you're meeting their standards. So the absolute bottom tier is natural. Natural means, as far as I know, means the whole definition minimally processed. Okay. That's the only thing natural means. So it really means nothing. Absolutely nothing. Natural means nothing. Natural means nothing. That is just pure marketing BS. If you see natural and it asks you to pay more, don't bother. The next thing that's kind of funky in the chicken world is vegetarian fed. Mm -hmm. Chickens are not vegetarians. They want to eat meat of various kinds. I mean, just think of them as little tiny dinosaurs, little tiny, tiny, you know, velociraptors or T-Rexes. I like that. They are all about hunting as much as they can. I mean, don't get me wrong. They eat lots of grain, lots of grass. But to cut them off from any sort of protein, animal protein, is counter to their biological design. So when you buy vegetarian eggs or vegetarian-fed chicken, you're actually paying more money to be feeding chickens a less appropriate feed. So that's not something that you should support with your dollars. Free range is a little bit better, but it is not the picture that you have in your head. I'm imagining if you hear free range, you're thinking a red barn, green grass, chickens running all over the place, farmer in overalls. (laughs) And that's not what free range actually means. Free range is a claim that the USDA monitors and it's got some very specific standards to it. In general, What it means is that birds have access to the outside. 
So they're still being raised in a conventional big barn that most birds are raised in, but they have doors that let birds out at certain stages of their life. And it's not like you're opening up doors to hundreds of acres. You're opening up doors to little tiny outside porches, I guess they call them. You know, it's just a little tiny strip of grass around the outside, and it may not even have grass. Does free range, like, does that tell the consumer anything about what the birds or chickens are eating? No. So it could be vegetarian fed and free range, right? Yes, you could layer those. Yep, yep, for sure. Okay. No, free range is just about how much space they have and access to outside. Now, so in the chicken world, when you get up into organic, that is actually starting to become a pretty useful standard. It's not as good as it could be or should be, but it is kind of the best that you're going to have access to. So organic is going to mean that their feed is non-GMO, no pesticides, no uh, herbicides, no bad drugs in their feed. And the feed is, you know, raised appropriately, decently well. Mm -hmm. It's going to mean that the animals themselves have no antibiotics in them and various other kind of growth supplements. Here's another, this is Slight diversion here. Okay. There is no such thing as a growth hormone for chicken. So when you see a package of chicken that says no growth hormones added, they can't. There's no growth hormone to add in the first place. That is complete mm -hmm. marketing spin. Yeah, that's to, I believe that's to disguise what's really going on. And it makes you think, oh my gosh, it has no growth hormones. That It looks like a selling point, right? right. They do that in the non-dairy milk section. They'll write on the front, I know Califia or Califia Farms does it. They have carrageenan free. And most people mm. have no clue what carrageenan even is. But when they see that it doesn't have that, they're like, oh my God, it doesn't have that weird ingredient. This has to be healthy. Right. Do they put growth hormones maybe for cows? Where are they getting that that idea? Yeah. So it's not actually done very much or as much anymore. But yeah, their uh, feedlot conventional beef would be given growth hormones. Got it. Dairy cows used to be given growth hormones to produce more milk, although that's mostly phased out, I think. So there's really not a lot of growth hormones added that the marketplace has kind of spoken and most yeah. producers don't do that. So how do farmers get their chickens to be so fat? Because I feel like the chickens are much bigger than they used to be. Am I wrong? It depends on the farmer. So chickens, chickens are a little bit different in that the size of the carcass that you eat at home is really just a factor of age. So we often talk about broilers. So there are different USDA classifications of chicken sizes. Broiler, so you have fryers, broilers, and roasters. Mm -hmm. Fryers are like under three pounds. Broilers are three to four pounds. Roasters are four pounds plus something in that range. And so you just grill your birds to hit whatever kind of target size you want Got or it. carcass size you want. So if you feel like you're seeing bigger birds that depending on the type of operation you're buying them from, that could be that the farmer just grew them longer for some reason, or it could be that the big processor wanted to move big birds. Generally speaking, the bigger the bird, the older the bird, that's going to get turned into parts. So that's probably more technical than people care. But if you're looking at a carcass... <laughs> 
without giblets over four pounds, you're starting to get into a territory that's really good for parting out birds. That's where you get these, you know, gigantic chicken breasts that weigh a pound each, pound and a half each. And anything under four pounds, between three to four pounds, that's really the target size for a whole bird. And then if you get really fancy, you can go down to a, a carcass size of about two pounds. And that's where you get your um, Cornish game hen. Okay, so back to reading the labels real quick, because we kind of segued out, which is mm-hmm. perfectly fine. I know we stopped at organic. Is there anything better than organic? Right. So just to wrap up organic, organic is a better chicken. So if you have the choice between anything else and organic, organic is a noticeable step in the right direction. But it is not all the way to the farmer on the green pastures in the field and the red barn and all that sort of stuff. The only chicken that actually is raised that way is what you would call pasture raised, which is what we do, which is chickens out on grass, under the sun, chasing bugs, playing in the dirt, all that sort of stuff. And that pasture raised is, you're not going to find it in the grocery store in general, maybe a a small scale health store, but you're really probably going to have to buy that straight from a farmer because... It's a unique and kind of artisanal hand style raising chicken. It doesn't really match the industrial system. So if you want the best chicken, you're definitely going to be looking for pasture raised. Anything pasture raised is good. Within pasture raised, you could get organic pasture raised, which is something we do. So generally speaking, pasture raised is probably going to be mostly organic anyways, But if they are certified organic, that means the feed is certified to have no GMOs, no pesticides and all that sort of stuff. And the chicken is certified to have no antibiotics, although most pasture poultry wouldn't do that stuff anyways. And then one additional step up from there would be a no corn, no soy chicken, which is something we also do. And we... There's kind of back and forth there on the no corn, no soy. Some people feel there is a health issues with humans, and I've seen science on both sides of that argument. And there's also some some argument about the appropriateness of soy for chicken consumption directly, which I both see both sides of the argument. We've actually landed on no corn, no soy because we believe that it's not appropriate for California, that we're really into regenerative agriculture raising the right animals in the right way for the right reasons out here. And in California, we're in a major drought, probably not coming out of it anytime soon. And corn uses a lot of summer water, which we don't have a lot of to waste. And soy doesn't grow in California anyway. So any soy of fed for animal consumption in California is coming from either the Midwest or China. And Neither of those places is very close. So why would we want to encourage that sort of, you know, increase in food mileage? So we go for a no corn, no soy diet. We're messing around with our diet. We haven't fully dialed it in, but we're looking at wheat and milo and field peas and um, rapeseed meals, our various energy and protein sources. And those are all able to be grown in California under a dry farm situation, very little irrigation which is the right way to do it. Yeah. And I think speaking for people, animals, everything, each meal, you have an opportunity to nourish your body. And 
it sounds like you guys are doing your homework and feeding these chickens the right thing. And it makes a difference in the chicken flavor, the chicken texture, but most importantly, what the chicken's doing to your body when you consume it. Because I like to tell people as far as the meat and milk or the dairy industry goes, you are what your cow eats. And most people don't understand the consumers are not educated on exactly what is being fed to the cows and what is being added to you know the milk and things like that. And so that goes to same exact thing for your chickens. So your ideal situation or your situation of, you know, the chickens running around, chasing bugs, all the things sounds so good. It leads me to the question. Do you have any of these chickens as pets? (laughs) No. Okay. I didn't know if with your kids, they had, you know, these two special chickens and we can't ever, ever eat these chickens. So technically, yes, we do have None of the meat birds have ever really gotten turned into pets. We do have a couple of layers that run around the yard here at the house that my daughter is very attached to. Uh huh. But they're not really pets. They're only, yeah, they're just they're just running around kind of because they showed up and survived. Yeah. They're, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Okay. So let's talk about exactly, you said you feed your chickens. Y'all are kind of playing with the diet wheat, milla, rapeseed. Is that what you said? Yeah. And some field peas. Yeah. Yep. And so tell me about the regenerative agriculture, because most people don't know what that is and why that's beneficial to both the animals and the environment. Oh, this is good stuff. So this is this is where I'm going to get even more excited than I've already been. (laughs) Talk about it, Tyler. You even gave me the opening. You were saying like, hey, this meat that you're eating is important for your body and your health. And the thing is, is that when you start diving into regenerative agriculture, you're really starting to dig into how mother nature works as a system and everything's interconnected. And so, like you just said, let's, let's kind of start on the human health aspect of it, that what we eat matters to our body and therefore we need healthy food of either animal or vegetable or whatever. And the only way that those food sources can be healthy is if we take care of them appropriately. Mm-hmm. And so taking care of them, you're like, okay, well, what do they eat? Well, they're eating grass or on pasture. Well, where does that grow? That leads all the way back to the soil. So what does the soil need to be healthy? It needs mycorrhizal fungi and all this sort of cool stuff. And well, how does the soil get that? Well, the only way that the soil gets that is through plants. And the only way plants get it is through capturing sunlight in green leaves. Chlorophyll turns sunlight into food. It's really, the more I think about it, the more just amazing that is that the sunlight that hits your face, somehow plants with their chlorophyll can turn it into food. And that is the basis of all life. So that's kind of the chain. If I want to have a healthy body, I need to eat healthy animals. Healthy animals have to be on healthy soil and healthy soil has to have lots of plants on it. And so you start anywhere on this chain and you end up looking at the health and the natural processes. So that's why I was saying that um, we go no corn, no soy. And you know, I'm not going to talk about the various health aspects because there's too much science. I have a personal belief, but it's not clear. But I do know that on an ecological level, an environmental level, the level that we kind of are paying attention to here on the ranch, that we need to feed these animals the right feed. And 
I said, hey, it's not appropriate for California. And that's because we are paying attention to our regenerative environment. So it's just really important that you can pick anything out of this. So mother, mother nature is a passive manager, right? She sets up a whole bunch of systems that work kind of without active intervention. Just all these various things work. If you're worried about your grasses, you know, imagine your big herd of buffalo come into an area, they eat it down. They're in a herd because of the wolves. So they eat down all the grass and they move on because there's no grass left and the wolves are starting to eat them. And so that grass has gotten a lot of animal impact. It's got a lot of dung, a lot of urine, and then animals don't come back. It gets a chance to regrow, which is without going down that rabbit trail, a very important understanding of how perennial grasslands work. That's how plants and animals evolve to work. And we, up to now-ish, we have kind of corrupted that system where we don't let animals move. We don't let plants recover. Mm -hmm. So what we're trying to do in regenerative agriculture, especially when we think about our cows and our range management, is to mimic that to understand that natural process and to add active human management to that. We understand that Mother Nature moves these buffalo on because those plants need to regrow to a certain stage. Well, because it's she does it passively, they're not going to come back at the exact right time or move on at the exact right time. But as active managers who understand what Mother Nature is attempting to do, we can build some fences. We can say, okay, this grass has been eaten down 50%. It's time to move the cows on. And then we can be paying attention to every single acre we have, unlike Mother Nature. And we're like, oh, it's exactly the right time to come back onto this. And we bring Mother Nature or bring our cows back to graze the grass again because it's the appropriate time, much more accurately and than Mother Nature can do. So that's kind of the whole thing. It's like figure out what Mother Nature wants to do, figure out how we can actively manage the right way. And that by managing the grass, we're taking care of the soil, we're taking care of the animals and the animals take care of us. And then we take care of the animals. And it's just this big synergistic ball of goodness that if you're just trying to do things the right way in Mother Nature's style, things work out well. And I'll wrap this up, this whole digression of craziness, by saying that agriculture is our is everyone's most direct link to the natural environment. You may be living in a city, but you're eating food, and that food ultimately came from the ground. And that the food you choose dictates the style that it's raised in. And currently, most food is raised conventionally, extractively, and we're depleting our, our natural resources and that through regenerative agriculture, we we're talking like grass-fed beef, pasture-raised chicken, no-till crops in the Midwest, uh, all sorts of cool stuff, that that type of agriculture actually rebuilds all the stuff we, we have extracted. And we can do it in hundreds. You know, it takes Mother Nature thousands of years. We can do in decades because we can actively uh, follow her example. Sorry, I went off on a whole tangent there. I hope that was at least somewhat entertaining. 
No, absolutely. Because that's what people are doing here, my audience. They want to be educated because no one is educating them. So yes, it's a natural cycle. It's supposed to occur. I feel like people have truly lost touch with what's on their plate and where it actually came from. They don't understand the process. And so making the food simple, understanding what's going on, what also has been lost in our food makes this conversation worthwhile, especially for everybody listening. So Tell everyone, Tyler, where can they get this amazing chicken that you guys offer? Right. It's pretty simple. BigBluffRanch.com. Go to our website. There's going to be a big shop now button. Poof. Click that and you can start getting chicken shipped to your door. And uh, I've got our emails up there. I really like talking about this stuff. If If you have any questions or want more information, absolutely feel free to reach out to me be happy to clarify anything, just talk more about it. And then we also do a weekly newsletter where I just talk even more about this stuff and what we're doing on the ranch and how we're trying to save the world one chicken at a time. I love that. So you can go to bigbluffranch.com. You can also follow them on social media at the Big Bluff Ranch. And it looks like you got your kids on there. Is that right? Yeah. Cute. I like it get the whole fam involved. I'm with it 100%. So thank you, Tyler, so much. And I'm excited to go eat some chicken salad right after this, you guys. Make sure to go follow them, grab, upgrade your chicken so that your body can do better things for you. You can feel better and you can definitely taste the difference. Thanks so much, Tyler. It was great talking to you today. Not a problem. Enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wake Up and Read the Labels. If you like this episode, guess what? We want you to share it. We'd love that. Share it with a friend and leave us a review. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or really wherever you're listening to your podcast. For more information, visit us at wakeupandreadthelabels.com. Listener.